to the Jew and Gentile podcast. I am your host, Chris Katolka, and with me is none other than the Jewish sage himself, the one and only Mr. Steve Herzig. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Chris. Do you know that we've now made a connection with Mahjong? With Mahjong. We're going to have to talk about that with our listeners. <laughs> Unbelievable. We, we are... Uh, the Yentas. <laughs> Is that a Yiddish uh, word? Yenta, yes. Yeah, and, and we're the matchmaker of Mahjong. Oh, it's fantastic. We're going to talk about that because it's all coming full circle. Somehow, God is using the Jew and Gentile podcast to bring Mahjong to people and joy to the world. Hold on, everybody. All right, before we get started, hold on a second. I'm doing this because I'm a bad friend, Steve. And here's the reason why I'm a bad friend. I'm a bad friend because your birthday was a couple of weeks ago, but I promised listen you. Listen to that music. Just wait a minute. Background. Hang on, listen. Okay, so happy birthday to you, Steve. <laughs> Steve turned uh, 70 years old. My three score and 10. Three score and 10. And I had a birthday gift in mind for you and but i had to wait for it to be made it had to be shipped it had to be oh, shipped yeah, from around yeah, yeah. the world because it's special uh-oh you are the jewish sage happy birthday to our dear friend oh, do i open it I'm now just pull it all out and then gently pull out <laughs> <laughs> happy birthday to the jewish sage the one and only mr steve herzig look at that bubble guy bubble you got your own bobblehead now Bubbles. You got your own bobblehead. If you're listening, if you're watching on, unbelievable. Where'd you find this? Oh, I just have my. And ways. you made me look so nice here. You, well, you're wearing your suit, my Torah, my talit. Exactly. Uh, the only yeah, thing that's yeah. missing is a is a kippa. I and thought it's actually, funny that they left the kippa off. This guy has more hair on the top than I do. I have the comb over up up here, and I keep asking my daughter, who's a you know she's a hairdresser. Uh, when is it that you clip it off? She said, "Not yet, <laughs> not yet." <laughs> no, you got a good. Uh, you got. Where are we gonna put this? Well, Chris? I think you should put it up there with all the great Israeli leaders and whatnot. I just think people <laughs> yeah, need right. to see you. That's right. Wait, hold it up there's, over here. There's oh. Ben Gurion, and then there's me. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it's the Steve Herzig bobblehead. <laughs> that is amazing. You put it wherever you want, let's, but bada let's bing, put bada him boom. Right here next to. Let's put them right here next to the Hasidic guy. You can't right. tell the difference. That's right? right. You look like you're at home trimming your bushes now <laughs> next to your... Yeah, <laughs> uh, Thank you very much. I thought you might they, like that. I did. I think that's fantastic. Now we got to tell everybody it's on st at staff to come out here and find Steve. That's right. Come find Steve Herzig in the podcast room. Uh, but uh, Steve, it turned 70. I was waiting for that. It flew all the way from China. From China. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hey, Chris, uh, I did turn 70, but yesterday we were with uh, Tom Gagan. Tom Gagan, a co-worker here and uh, in ministry advancement. He's the VP. And we went out and we were actually it was uh, Alice doesn't believe us, but we went out for a working <laughs> lunch uh, to discuss a number of different things. We went off campus and we're discussing stuff. And uh, we had a waitress who... Uh, we asked if she guesses our age uh, within five years, she would get an extra five dollars. Yep. We all agreed, yep. right? So, Chris, I, tell them what happened. Well, I well they had to guess my age at first. At that first, was it. That's right. And so we gave her some time. She says, "I need time," which never and is. You a good said, "Go ahead. You could take your time. You don't have to answer now. You could go back and come back. Think about it." And so, you know, I I I was expecting the worst because my beard throws What's things off. What's the worst? The worst is that I'm just older than I look. I mean, I guess I can be good, but. I am balding. Well, half your face is gone because you have Herzl's beard. It's <laughs> it's hard and to it's find great. you. What's, what's your face anyway? A couple eyes and a nose. I mean. <laughs> well, it's funny because when I shave my beard off, it, I look like an 18-year-old. You wouldn't. I mean, I, it's very scary. But with my beard, what she thought. I'm 41. She thought I was 47. So uh, that's not too bad. We still gave her the five bucks. That's right. But then she came back and thought that you were in your 50s. Uh, uh, See, that's what I'm saying. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And That's then Tom, true. Tom, I think she thought he was eighty or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. No, I think she thought he was uh, 
Yeah, what did I forgot what Tom was? What? He's, I think she said in like low sixties or yeah. something, which is yeah, which about is good for him. Yeah. That's good for him. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, but happy birthday! Thank you, Karen. My wife said you need to get something like Zygazunt written on it or something. <laughs> so uh, I didn't have time to do that, but I thought I got a big laugh. Zygazunt, don't worry, <laughs> we'll leave them here. Hey, how did you find a face that at least gets close? It's not exact. No, but- it's not exact. I actually sent that picture. That we have on our Jew and Gentile um, ah podcast podcast the one behind you uh, I sent that to whatever person makes them and that's the best they could do. There's an Asian <laughs> there in China who is uh... well I think I showed it to Laura and you know she goes you know because you kind of have a little she said Steve has a little bit of an Asian look to him and that's what's missing from this and I thought. Well, maybe our Asian friends in China could have maybe a- adapted it a little bit more. But it's still, if you stare at it long enough, you go, oh, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> Your own bobblehead, though. Uh, my own, I'm going to take a picture, send it to my mother, and say, look at this punum. <laughs> but, um, I'm now bobbling around. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> All right. So, Steve, uh, we've got a great show lined up. If that wasn't fun enough right well, away. Well, wait. No, we still have to talk about Mahjong. We have to talk who's sponsoring Equip. A hundred percent. That's what I, I wanted to make sure we were lining up people with what's coming. We've, yeah, we've, we we got to talk about what's going on in the text world with our text with our listeners. It's very fun. Um, and so we'll talk about that. Uh, we've got Did You Know coming up. We've got Jewish Afterlife. We've got Revelation chapter 20 and 21, uh, maybe dipping into 21. And then we've got the Yiddish word of the day. Uh, Chris, the you just I, got back. You are you are sunning it up in Florida. We got to catch people up with what's happening. Uh, that's true. I was down. All f- seven of them. All seven of them. If they remember, you asked what was my favorite fish, and I said salmon. Well, one of the things that didn't happen is we didn't get salmon. It no salmon. I did get my mother-in-law's casserole, which I was very happy about. I don't know if I'd be happy. What was the casserole well, that you just, like? Well, it's just the standard, you know, casserole you grow up with. That's the thing. You know, we don't. I don't get. That. I didn't grow up with a casserole. You I did, hate casserole. It's like the. It's like a chicken thighs with some rice and like the cream of chicken. I vase. I man. love that stuff. Oh, uh, it just all gets dumped in. Was there any spam in there too? No as spam. long as you open up one can, you might as well throw another can in there. She, my mother-in-law, makes the best. I always tell her she knows it's very simple. I Are show you the up, only one boom. that eats it, or? Or is the rest of the family enjoy? I think they all think I'm crazy or something. You know, with <laughs> you I go, go down to Florida for a casserole. She knows. I go. I talk about it every time, Mom. I, I Mom, I can't wait for the casserole. You know, uh, and yeah, she, yeah. it's exactly what she probably says in her brain. So no, I bet you. You know what? I bet you she's smiling that you, you, her son-in-law, loves something that she likes to produce and uh, uh, put together. I bet you it's a. It's it makes you connect better. Oh, I. We talk about it all the time. So uh, that was great. And then we, man, we did a ton of uh, uh, swimming. You were on a boat. We my, we visited my brother-in-law in Alabama. He has a nice lake house where he has one of those pontoon boats. It's the craziest pontoon boat I've ever been on. If you've ever been on a pontoon boat, at least the ones I've ever been on, it's the kind where it's got a little putt-putt motor on the back. You know, and you just kind of, you maybe go 10 miles an hour, 15 miles an hour. So when we first went last year to his new see his new pontoon boat and all that, we get on it and you know he starts to make the thing go fo- forward and it's going really fast. I mean, it probably could pull a uh, uh, a you know one of those uh, what do they call it uh, an inner tube? Yeah, an inner tube. That's so what he shoots does. Shoots you around, you know. Well, because I said to him, I said to my brother in law, I'm like, how are you going to pull an inner tube on a little putt putt? And he goes, oh, just wait, just wait. And so. He guns it. I mean, the thing can go so fast, Steve. It's, it's a 250 did you horsepower motor. Did you motor. go on an inner tube? I went on it last year. I didn't go on it this year. Kids? The kids. They, he bought one of those, like, seats where you can sit upright. You put two people. It's almost like a oh, lounge yeah, chair. Oh, yeah, I've seen those. That just goes on the water. So we did that. We didn't go to My kids don't want to be thrown around. Um, one even jumped ship because he was... <laughs> We're on, he's on the inner on the seat, okay. And my brother-in-law starts to crank up the motor a little bit, all right. And so he's giving a little power, and I can see on my son's face he's like, "I don't like this." And so we're going a little bit faster, and he starts to turn, and the thing, and my my son instead of going, "Please stop," he just jumps off. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was a good time, though. It was a good time. Unbelievable. That's, that's fantastic. It was a great time. Um, but uh, anyway, it, it's been a great. It's been great. We're back in the in the podcast room, and we're raring to go. This is episode number ninety-two, Steve. We're getting close to one hundred. Oh, we should do so. that. Should be our f- question. We have still mug on a mug. We need to get more people to oh, let us know about mug on a mug. But let's ask them. Well, hold on what a minute. Should we do for our hundredth podcast? Yes, I know what some people are saying. Yeah, that's enough already. <laughs> At a hundred, you should end on top. <laughs> Go out, you know, go out with a bang. No, uh, I want to read um, uh, some of the uh, great texts that came in on our 424-444-1948 line. Because uh, we asked last week if people would th- like, would buy a mug. Would they buy a mug with our mugs on it? And, oh, it's great. I'll tell you some of them. They say, uh, they say um, yep, I would like a mug. Please, please purchase them. I'll buy them. I said, a mug it is for you. All right. Yes, I will buy a Jew and Gentile coffee mug and I will especially use it watching FOI equip. Oh, that's fa- a double do ya. A hundred percent. And then uh, see, I, I, <laughs> before we went live, Alice and I and your wife, Alice, were talking on the phone and she goes, if I have to hear you guys say a hundred percent one more time. Sorry, Alice. That's my fault. Okay, and so uh, this comes from 813. They say, mug on a mug. We're in. We'll see you in Hudson, Florida in September at our upcoming Proclaim conference. Okay, we'll see you there. Uh, We're excited about that. Um, Here's another one, Steve, from 717. says, I will buy a mug. (laughs) Right to the point. Right to the point. I like this. This comes from our Jewish believer friend. Um, uh, Ron, who's eight eight six four area code, he writes. Ron, the seventh listener from South Carolina, says I'd buy a mug. I'd also like a T-shirt and pens as well. Wow, we'll have to uh, we'll have to investigate that. A hundred percent. And then here's another one. Uh, uh, I might be interested in a Jew and Gentile mug for the couple in Florida who watch you when they're in bed at night. <laughs> What? So now they got to perk coffee. They got to have a Keurig by their bed. Uh, and then they get the coffee and fall asleep. Except for this. Caffeine keeps you up. Caffeine. How, how in the world can you drink a cup of coffee, watch the podcast? That part I could understand. But then go to sleep. No, it's impossible. I We did get a good one from, and I'm trying to bring it up here. Oh, uh, I want to come back to that one. Uh, there's another one, though, that I want to bring up because, oh, here we go. Steve's sister and mom want a mug on a mug. We'll pay. Sorry for the first text. Did not make any sense. The first text said, mom and Michelle, Steve's mom and sis, we'll pay. <laughs> you know what they mean? They, what she was saying is, Steve, don't worry. You don't have to comp us. We'll actually put... She was, you know, our family. Oh, me too. Hey, can I can I get a comp on that? You know, yeah, 10%. Do, I know somebody. My mother always said, don't worry. I got a guy. I know somebody. <laughs> Somebody's brother, sister's uncle. They do that thing. Let's get a deal. I like it. Well, listen, if you're listening right now and you think it's a good idea for us to make a mug on a mug, which would basically be a coffee, a Jew and Gentile coffee mug that you could purchase, text us at 424-444-1948 and let us know if you think that's a good idea. But I want to end with this one because it's going to come full circle for us, Steve, because one of our friends at six on area code 618, his name's Joshua, he actually texted me and said a picture of him watching the Jew and Gentile podcast with a bunch of coffee mugs in the background. He said, I'm on board for a coffee mugs. Uh, Mugs are my flair. Notice I have two open spots in my home office. But here's the other thing about Joshua that I love is that Joshua, when your daughter was in talking about Mahjong and was inviting people to join her for a Mahjong club in the St. Louis area, Joshua said, I'm in. And so he... I showed you the picture. He was playing. He was playing with my daughter and her friends at an elk uh, elk's lodge. At elk's lodge. <laughs> and I asked my daughter, "Is this good?" Oh yeah, it's great. I hope we didn't overwhelm him. <laughs> Joshua, let us know if you got overwhelmed. Okay, shoot us a text eight four two four 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 nineteen forty eight. We do have to say in my daughter's text, the reason he knows how to play mahjong. 
is because of his two kids. He has a 10-year-old oh, and right. a 13-year-old who learned it in school. <laughs> now, ay, 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 the commentary with the schools and what's happening around the country, mahjong in schools. <laughs> that's, right. well, that's one positive thing that we're hearing coming out of public schools right now. <laughs> Unbelievable. They're learning mahjong. It's part of their curriculum. Okay, so Steve, uh, great things. Hey, text us, please, with any questions, comments, concerns. I'll send them on to Steve Herzig. Uh, our Jewish sage at 424-444-1948. Hey, also let us know. We've got a hundredth episode coming up. What would you like to hear from us? Uh, you can text us at 424-444-1948. And just a fresh reminder, the Jew and Gentile podcast is sponsored by FOI Equip. And Steve, we've got two great classes coming up. These are these are fantastic. Two I great. could hardly wait for Tim. So we've got uh, Tim Harrison, who's going to be coming on July 6th, July 13th, and July 20th, a three-part class. Uh, Thursday night, 7.30, and he's doing Early Heroes of Church History. You know the Great ch- title. The church did not start with Billy Graham. It goes <laughs> back, uh, and it goes a long way. God's preserved the gospel all throughout church history, and, um, and Tim Harrison's going to talk about those important moments that defined a lot of church doctrine that we believe today as well. Um, and then uh, in August, on August 10th and 17th, we've got Paul Scharf, is going to be doing a two-week lesson, I love this one too, on patriarchs and presidents, how America has blessed Israel. That is going to be, you know, I think for those listening, the idea of blessing from Genesis chapter 12, I'm I'm very confident that Paul will be able to, just by telling us what has happened historically with presidents as it relates to the word, how the United States has been blessed because of these presidents who have stood with and for Israel. A hundred percent. And so uh, that's going to be Paul Scharf. You can register for these free, 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 seven times. Free, 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 free classes at uh, foiequip.org. You'll see them right there. You can click register. It's a Zoom registration. They're live online. And if you can't make it, bada bing, bada boom, it's on YouTube a well, couple I days later. I was going to say that, Chris. You know, it's summertime for people, and they're not sitting in their house. And I know a podcast, you could be listening just about anywhere, but you know, in the summer, you're buying up opportunities to be outside, do different things. So if they miss it, they could watch it on YouTube later, or they could, on their podcast, pick it up anyway. A hundred percent. So they can they can do it either way they want. Um, we've also got new op- new ways coming pretty soon for them to watch past FOI Equip classes through our new Thinkific platform that we're hoping to launch pretty soon. Um, where people will be able to access all of the teachings plus the notes and the slides so that you can read through the notes, the slides, all in one place, all on an app. It'll be a fan, and it's all free, uh, and so we'll be launching that pretty soon as well. Pretty exciting, Chris. A lot of great things. Steve, we've been going through life after death, Jewish thoughts on life after death, uh, and you're shaking your head. I'm shaking my head. For Chris, your people. This is this is Moment Magazine. No, I, at Moment Magazine, they're presenting all these different views of scholarly and or popular, well-known uh, people. And this one, we have, or I've already, look, I was raised in an Orthodox synagogue. It's more black and white kind of thing. It sticks to the text and some very uh, scholarly rabbis. Now it's, your view on life and worldview is not limited to those texts. And so here we have the headline, A Sense of Soul. That's good. Soul, nefesh. We we believe we have a soul. And so that's good. So the this writer, who is uh, Roger Kemenitz, who's the author of The Jew and the Lotus, Burnt Books, and the History of Last Night's Dream. And uh, here, here it is, Chris. It's, it's just hard for me to comprehend. There's a story told, he says, about Rabbi Nachman. Rabbi Nachman, mm-hmm. very well known. He's in a lot of uh, Jewish literature, people refer to Rabbi Nachman. You see, actually, there's a phrase for Nachman that's written all over Israel. They spray paint it on buildings, and it's, I forget exactly how it goes, but it's a song almost. It's like, na, na, Nachman, na, na, Nachman, or something like that. And it just has an end. Oh, it's like end. last week when we did the millennium. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> You're sounding just like that. <laughs> that's exactly, but he's very famous rabbi. Okay, so there's a story told about Rabbi Nachman at Bratzlov. He's walking... Sorry about You're that. You're so excited. He's <laughs> throwing your papers village, around. Some dogs approach barking, and he says to them, I know, I know, I know. What he knows is that they are humans 
in dog bodies. So there, he's saying that not uh, Rabbi Nachman is the one who believes this? It, the story is told by Rabbi Nachman. So Rabbi is telling the story. He's walking in the village and some dogs approach barking and he says, I know, I know, I know. What he knows is that they are humans in dog bodies. <laughs> and he has the capacity to redeem them from this. In other words, to get out of these bodies. Uh, that sounds like a Disney movie. You yeah. know, there's the shaggy dog. I, I remember the shaggy dog. Uh, a very famous, at least in my age category, Disney movie. Some Hasidim believed in Gilgal, the process of rebirth. Hey, Chris, you and I believe in rebirth, mm -hmm. not in dog bodies. Yeah, no. We believe you could be born again. Well, here, Gilgal, the process of rebirth, the soul keeps returning and certain souls come back to complete their mission. Oh, yeah, yeah. Can you imagine you didn't complete, complete your, mission? your mission? How many times? And notice it keeps we coming back. That means they, when are these people going to get it? I mean, they, I'm coming back and I'm coming back. And I'm, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Do you feel like you're, like, you, you know, do you want to come back for another mission? Uh, once is enough. <laughs> and anybody around me will say, for this, once is One more, more than enough. I, I don't know if I want another uh, mission. The soul keeps returning, and certain souls come back to complete their mission. Most contemporary Jews don't feel comfortable with the concept of soul, let alone the concept of rebirth. I feel comfortable with rebirth. But not humans, not having a human and a dog. I'm, I'm not going that far. But he says that speaks to a lack of imagination in Jewish spiritual life. So in other words, when you if you think about life after death, you have to have an imagination. Yeah, not even we're not even talking about the Bible yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We here's this criticism: we are radically rationalist. Radically, ra in other words, looking at life in a rational way, that's no good. That's no good. I, I, this guy sounds like he's on drugs or something. I mean, his book sounded very in interesting. <laughs> to the point where we've cut off our heads and left our body behind. Yeah. <laughs> People confuse belief and imagination. They think it's either true or it's not true. Yeah. <laughs> and if it's not true, we can't believe it. End of story. They don't understand that imagination is what's needed to understand the soul. After Allen Ginsberg died, I wrote a poem called Allen Ginsberg <laughs> Forgives Ezra Pound on Behalf of Jews. When and you re first read that to me and you said Allen Ginsberg, I wrote a poem about Allen Ginsberg called Allen Ginsberg. <laughs> <laughs> it's Allen Ginsberg Forgives Ezra Pound on Behalf of Jews. In a sense, the poem is addressed to Allen in the beyond. Just recently, I was speaking in the Newark Museum, and it occurred to me that Alan had been uh, been born and buried in Newark. He went to his grave, and I recited Kaddish. Now, that's a that's Jewish. That's very Jewish. Mm -hmm. yeah, I, Kaddish is a, a prayer. It's a memory prayer. You pray in memory of somebody who's deceased. And actually, Chris, it's interesting that person's name is not anywhere in that prayer. That prayer, when if you translate it into English— is a praise to the living God. Yeah, I've I've read it to many uh, Christian who said, "Man, that's a that's giving praise, glory, and honor to God." And it and it's true. It's very so, biblical. So uh, we went to his grave. I recited uh, Kaddish. I felt a powerful presence. This touches on another aspect of the question. So many people report very powerful dreams of their dead loved ones. It certainly makes you wonder, what is this? How can this be? And that's it. <laughs> that's that's, the, that's end. the end. That's the end. <laughs> so here is a I, moment published it. I, I get it. So what is your conclusion after hearing that, Chris? Well, it's I do I do agree with him about the lack of imagination in in understanding the soul because I actually think when you try to the soul to me is you were talking about the uh, a unique connection with God. And I think we can often try, try to rationalize God and put him in a box. Uh, uh, you know, we've a lot of people don't believe in God because they believe in science and not God, you know. Um, and so they reason over faith, all of those things. So I do believe that there is a component of imagination is a good thing. But at the same time, I don't agree with his—my I, I, my imagination about the soul, the spirit, who God is, how he relates with me, is completely grounded in the scriptures— uh, which and I don't think the scriptures box God in either as to the amazing things that 
he can do. He shows us all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, but his thoughts on reincarnation are very interesting to me. And then his conclusion is just, it can be whatever you want it to be, uh, which makes no sense. But you're right about the mysticism. In Jewish mysticism, the belief in reincarnation is very prevalent. Very, very much so. But I, I was often, because uh, our colleague Bruce Scott went up and did some uh, ministry up in Brooklyn and was talking with a Hasidic rabbi, and they talked about the fact that they believe in reincarnation. But my question was, but in the end, you know, I don't know how many times they believe the soul can, can come up and down, but in the end, do they believe in a resurrection? You know, does that mean, you know, you, you often take it as one or the other. You either believe in reincarnation or you believe in resurrection. Um, do they believe in both? Because you can't deny resurrection from the Bible. That's very much a part of Jewish uh, theology. So anyway, it's in, it is very interesting, but it just seems like it's, hey, don't, you know, you got to have a big imagination about the soul. It can be whatever you want it to be. All I know is I'd love Daniel, Daniel from the book of Daniel, to talk to this guy. Yeah. <laughs> because the uh, those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Yeah. Some, some, which is resurrection. Some to everlasting life. He doesn't say, and some go to dogs. <laughs> Not at all. Some to shame and everlasting contempt. That's it. I mean, Daniel would say, hey... Uh, I just want to tell you, Roger, uh, when you die, there's only one of two places, uh, everlasting life or everlasting shame and content, uh, and it's up it's up to you. Uh, what are you going to do here? Yeah. No, and that's why this is interesting, because it seems like it's embracing almost a, a, a new age way of thinking about the Which, soul. Which, by the that's a great point. You know, historically, my people have been very open to new ideas. Very open. Uh, and I'm not just talking about 20th and 21st century. The Bible, you you find the prophets saying, will you come back already? <laughs> you're doing all these, th you're into all these different gods. You want, we have one, you want multiple. That's right. Uh, and, and it even says in the law, you can't do that. Stay with this one God. Okay, we'll follow you. Boom, we're going over to see what this other God has to offer. I, I just love it. M Moshe, Moses, uh, He's gone a, a few days. I mean, relatively speaking, a few days. And what happens? God's telling these people, I'm ready to kill them. I'm ready to kill them. And what happens? All the gold they got, they fashion into a god. Uh, uh, only 40 days goes by, uh, too. It didn't take Not them long. Not even 40 years. And Aaron probably, this is me kind of uh, theorizing, Aaron looked at his brother and said, what could I do? Yeah. <laughs> Look, I couldn't stop him. But you know what, though? It does raise a good point is that, you know, we can shake our heads right now at the lack of biblical attention to the afterlife. Uh, just as guilty. In the Jewish community. But then, you know, you, you it's in the Christian community as well. But even like you said, it's no different than when you go back to what the old what was going on in the Old Testament. It's no different then. It's no different now. And the Christian community is just as guilty when it comes to understanding of the afterlife. A lot of Christians believe that when you die, your soul just goes up to, I don't know, some clouds. And, you know, there's some golden streets, maybe. And there's a harp. You know, that's, that is actually incredibly—we've talked about this in a lot of our conferences that we do. That's a very Greek philosophical way of thinking about heaven. The real way to think about heaven is very actually earthly that God would bring—it says, which we're going to be talking about very soon. God is coming back down. God's presence is not—we're not, not going to just go up and disappear. That there's a day coming when we're going to all come back down to God's creation. He'll redeem his creation. And so, again, that mentality is very biblical, and that's not Greek. That's Jewish. That's why it's important to read the Scriptures from a Jewish perspective. You know, I'm reminded in Acts 17, when Paul's looking, he's in Athens at the Areopagus, and he's, he's uh, talking to the philosophers, these brainy people for their day. And he's looking around, he said, you know, I noticed all these things. And I noticed there was one to the invisible God. Hey, I'd like to, I'd like to tell you about him. And he begins to talk about creation and all this. And he, Paul is, uh, he he can go toe to toe with these philosophers. And at the end, they said, Ah, we've had enough of this babbling. <laughs> yeah. We had enough of them. Well, uh, he went right to resurrection there. He at the did, end. and yep. that's when they cut it off. Yeah. Well, but some it did says believe. Some believe. That's right. That's, you know, that is an encouragement because. 
you could send, the Bible tells us plainly, Luke is writing, and he said, you know what? There are people who thought he was a fool. He's a babbler. There's others who said, see you later. You know, come back another day. But there were people who listened. Yep. And you know, Chris, we in North American Ministries, we have people who are on the front lines uh, who've been called worse than babbler, oh, uh, yeah. who've put off some people. We have campus workers uh, who they just go to public uh, grounds and uh, talk to people uh, freely about God. Most of the people go, who needs it? I don't have the time. Some people say, I'll catch you later. That's happened to me. Hasn't it happened to you? Mm-hmm. I, I, I'll talk to you. <laughs> Not really. I'll catch you later. That's right. But then there's some who will talk. And of those some, there's less, but there's some whose lives are transformed. And and I think about that as we, you know, we kind of joke about uh, Roger and, and his story, but he's spiritually minded. Yes. And I think that's something to keep in mind in Moment Magazine. These are all questions about what happens after this. It's a great question. We could disagree, but at least each one of these responded. Well, and at least he's open. That's why I was saying to the the idea of the of the um of the soul and uh you know, not boxing uh it he's not certainly not boxing well, it he's in. He's letting it go. He's just letting it be whatever <laughs> he wants it to be. But there is God does talk about the soul, the significance of the soul. I mean, I was just uh doing a I was speaking at a church this weekend and um, I was speaking from Acts chapter two, and it says that after uh, those three thousand, you're talking about the three truth th- bomb, the truth bomb, it, it, the uh, truth th- bomb. I love that title. Yeah, Peter's truth bombs to Israel, and because of Peter's message, three thousand Jewish people came to faith that that day. But it actually doesn't say people; it says souls. Three thousand souls in the Greek were 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 uh, uh, you know came to faith in the Lord Jesus and and followed them. That that means that God doesn't just look at us as it, you know, as flesh, he sees the complete package of flesh and soul as well. We're not just flesh; we have a spiritual component to us, and I'm glad that he thinks like that. So anyway, Steve, I we're in. Rev- Wait, no, we have a. Did you know? We this is this that's is right. Good. And in fact, uh, I've been notified, Chris, that there's actually some people that have purchased. Did you know? They've, oh, really? Yeah, they've actually got that. I, I, in fact, one person actually bought them for his team uh, to <laughs> to purchase. So. <laughs> Uh, Emily Stones, did you know I'll be reading from page two thirty-five? Okay, good. <laughs> so that's for all you, all the three of you or four of you. I feel like. Have, did I, you know? I feel like I'm in church when you go. <laughs> that's take, right. Take, Turn <laughs> in your in your Bibles in front. Oh, did you know to page two thirty-five? Did you know? Okay. The title is "What Makes a Pickle Kosher." Jews did not invent the pickle. Sad but true. Also, a kosher pickle isn't kosher in the strictest sense of the word. It is simply a pickled cucumber made with a generous amount of garlic. Mm. In other words, in the traditional style of Jewish New York City pickle picklers, deli mavens will tell you that the latest, tastiest cuts of pastrami are also the fattest. They also know that eventually the fat dulls the flavor of the meat. Just as sorbet cleanses the palate between courses, The pickle cleanses the palate between bites so that the flavor for the pastrami can be fully experienced. Thus, the deli pickle becomes ubiquitous. Fun fact, the word pickle derives from the German word polkel, which means salt (laughs) and brine. Oh, Did you know? You know, it's so funny because one of my favorite things, Steve, whenever I go to a Jewish deli and they have pastrami on rye and all the great meats, and bread and rye bread is I love the pickle bar. They have oh, pickle bars, and it's not just one pickle. One, I mean, we're talking spicy pickles and uh, all kinds. You know, pickles that have been brining for a, a few days and pickles that have been brining for a few months. You know, it doesn't. They have a whole bunch of options, and that's one of my favorite things to do is the is the pickle bar. So, in fact, when I go to a deli, there's a deli we go to not far from our house. It's free pickles. Yeah, all that you want. Yeah, and. Immediately when we sit down, Alice already knows. I say to, there's pickles on the table. And I say, uh, give us another. Can you give us more pickles? Wait, there's pickles there. I know, <laughs> but they won't be there that long. So I'm, I, I know you have other things to do. So bring on another pickle. I like, you don't, they don't even get a chance to say hi. You're like, before you say a word, we need some more pickles. We need here. some more pickles. <laughs> That's great. All right. Well, speaking, we're not speaking of pickles now. We're actually going to the book of Revelation and we're wrapping. Oh, Steve, we're wrapping up. We're getting there. Slow but sure. Okay. And so we've been in Revelation chapter 20 
and um, we were just looking at the judgment of Satan, and but there's a series of judgments that take place here. So Jesus returns in Genesis uh, in Revelation chapter 20. He returns. Uh, he establishes his kingdom for a thousand years. It says Satan is bound for a thousand years. What will that be like, Chris? It will. It will be, I believe, as the prophets had promised it would be. When you read through the book of Isaiah and the prophet Zechariah and all of these and 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 Ezekiel, when it gives us a picture of exactly what peace, shalom, and righteousness and, and justice. You know, these are all qualities I think that every human, whether a believer or unbeliever, cries out for. They cry out for peace. Even though there's war going on, they want peace. They want shalom. Uh, when 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 there's an injustice, which I understand injustice, we, we talk about injustice a lot, Jesus will bring justice to the world, a true justice. When it talks about righteousness, it's the idea that all things will be made right. And I always love the way the Old Testament talks about righteousness. A lot of times we think of righteousness in terms of our position in front of God because of the way Paul writes, which is true. Uh, it's our standing, it's like a judicial standing before God that God sees us as right. But in the Old Testament too, you know, if if you were a, a person that did business and you had to weigh out your food, well, some people would be unrighteous because they would they would manipulate the the scales so that when you would put your food on the scale, they would manipulate the weight so the weight so that you would have to pay more and get less. That person is unrighteous because the act and not only was the act unrighteous, but the whole thing was unbalanced. But a righteous person, it says in the book of Proverbs, it says that a righteous person is somebody who keeps the balance right, so that when that person gets what they ask for and they get what they're paying, they have the integrity, that you have the integrity, that they can trust you, that everything is righteous. And so there's a righteous not only standing before God, but the way that everything will be done in a right manner, trustworthy, integrity. I think that's what's going to be happening, because that's what the prophets had envisioned, that God would return and that he would bring justice, righteousness, and peace once and for all. So I think that's what's coming. In the- uh, no, I, I agree, but at, it, thinking of Satan being bound uh, doesn't make everyone perfect. Uh, no. It, you know, when, they, when people come into the millennium at the beginning, it will be those who've survived the tribulation, who rejected the Antichrist, and looked upon him whom they pierced. They've survived the whole period, and they come into the millennium, and they are redeemed, no question. But then they're gonna—they're—they're they're humans. They haven't—they've not died, and there's marriage and there's life in the millennium, and kids are gonna be born, and they're gonna be born into an environment with no Satan around. But still, they'll be born with sinful hearts, and we know a thousand years after that, from that beginning, that's gonna play into who uh, decides that they are enough already with living under the king of kings, we want to rebel and overthrow him with Satan when he's let out. But isn't that going to be interesting, that what kind of life, it will be righteous, it will be holy, but it's still going to be off a little, because there's going to be people who are just testing how far they can go, and they can't blame Satan on it. It will be their own Hearts. But you know th- th- that's where I think Jesus comes into play too, because you know in the old in the Old Testament the the King of Israel was in a position to make the judgments for Israel. So today you you know if there's an issue between you and an individual, uh, maybe somebody gets hurt on your property or whatever, and you have to go before a judge, where a judge has to make a ruling, and he could be wrong, and the judge could be wrong. Not now. Not that's exactly right. So Jesus and and Solomon gives us the picture of. You know, the uh, a great king, and what's the thing that he asked for in the beginning? Oh, God, give me your wisdom. I need godly wisdom on how to minister or to judge what's the affairs of my people. I think Jesus, again, is going to be the one who's endowed with the wisdom, because he is God, endowed with God's wisdom in order to bring true—that's how you have peace, is that you have a righteous leader. How do you have righteousness? Justice is flowing. All of these things are playing perfectly with one another. No appeals. No, exactly. No Supreme Court. Exactly. He is the Supreme Court. That's exactly right. He is who he is, and what a period of time that's going to be. So we have that, Chris, and then what happens at the end of chapter— 20. 
At the end of chapter 20 is actually another judgment that takes place. Aye, the, aye, judge- aye. <laughs> the judgment of the dead. You know, it's. I was thinking about this when we our, were. Our dogs. Uh, 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 I'm a human and a dog. Well, uh, that's exactly. Am right. I on all fours? What's the deal? We'll here? find out when we're standing in line. <laughs> no, but what, it is interesting. You know, uh, one of the things I, um, I've I, I like to do, and maybe you do too, Steve, um, is I'm I kind of geek out on doctrinal statements for churches. You know, I like to see what a church believes. Some people, you know, maybe you've never looked at your. If you're listening. One of our That's seven a listeners. Great challenge, Chris. Yeah, maybe you've never read your church's doctrinal statement, but that is the maybe their church doesn't even have a doctrinal statement. That's there that's are a, some. That's a problem, and that's a new thing too. That that's a very, if anything, it just kind of gives principles of, you know, maybe some big thoughts about God or whatever or Jesus. I, I well, before you go any further, you know, a lot of people have trouble finding churches. They do. Uh, I think one of the great things, I always tell people, when you go to your ch- the, a new church, ask for their doctrinal statement. If they don't have one, okay, cut them a mulligan. It could be their brand new meeting, and yeah. they haven't even written one yet. Fair enough. But if they don't have one, that automatically tells you something. A hundred percent. It tells you, it's not that I don't think doctrine is important, but they don't want to be defined by doctrine or... A, a, a specific doctrine, because doctrine can also, when you make a statement about certain doctrinal points, it can divide a church as well. 100%. Um, but the, any church I've ever been to has a pretty well-established doctrinal statement. And um, one of the things I've noticed is that uh, how you interpret what is going to happen in the end times, eschatology, uh, can either be very detailed in a doctrinal statement, or it can be summarized in very quickly— in little tiny bullet points, and I can tell them to you. It's Jesus will physically return to earth, a physical return of Jesus. That's very important. And the next one is we believe in the resurrection of the dead. And usually, you know, for a lot of churches, that's about it. That's it, yeah. That's, those are the two. Other ones, other churches will have a much more detailed. They'll maybe say we believe in the, the rapture of the church, in the physical return of Jesus at his second coming, the establishment of a thousand-year reign of Christ— uh, a tribulation period. It'll be a lot more detailed according to the, you know, maybe what we, like what we believe at Friends of Israel. Um, but most of them, I read, just have physical return of Jesus Christ, uh, his second coming, and then the resurrection of the dead. I'm glad you brought that up, Chris. If uh, Oh, and judgment our, of our, the dead. Our judgment. listeners go to foi.org. Now we're giving them a different link. They can find Friends of Israel's doctrinal statement. Uh I'm sh- it's on. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's uh, on our, who our, we are. Our, our mi- that who we are. Our mission statement is there, and our doctrinal statement. And in a doctrinal statement, uh, typically they tell you what they believe and where to find it in the text. And we do that at Friends of Israel as well. In fact, we've written an entire Israel My Glory magazine. One of our most popular issues. Mm-hmm. You're right, Chris. On our doctrinal statement, it's called Here We Stand. And uh, so if you ever are interested, you can always go to the Here We Stand on IsraelMyGlory.org. But all that to say, this is one of those, you know, if there's some churches have big bulked out eschatologies in their doctrinal statement, some of them just maybe two or three points that are Jesus' second coming, the resurrection of the dead, and the judgment of the dead, or, the ju- or uh, a future judgment that's coming. And that's this moment. When it says this, then I saw a great white throne, and he who was seated on it, uh, and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books." The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, and the lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name is not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Sobering. These are sobering, sobering words. So number one, we know God does judge. There will be actually, there's two judgments that we know of in the in the New Testament. There's this judgment, the great white throne judgment, but there's also what's called the Bema Seat of Christ. And Second that's, Corinthians 5.10. That's right. And that is a judgment that will take place for Christians. You are, as a Christian, we live in the grace of God. It's grace, Thank grace. Thank you, Jesus. Grace. But that doesn't mean that 
we're Jesus, not judged. That's right. Does it, he doesn't turn his face from all the things that we do. That's why it's very important that we take into account the way that we walk. Paul loves using that very Jewish way of thinking about how we behave. He uses a Hebrew word or a, a, a word that we read. He'll say, walk in this manner. That's very Jewish. It's called halakhic law. Halak means to walk. And in Judaism, they have halakhic law, which means the walking law, which is more, how do I behave in the world that I'm living in? And for, for Paul, he tells us as believers how we're supposed to, how God expects us to walk as believers behavioral, behaviorally in the world that's around us. And so it still does matter because I think we're going to stand before Christ and he's going to say, welcome to heaven, but... You know, at some point there'll be a judgment where we'll be judged for the things that we've done. If you're here, you're already in trouble. Yeah, at the great white throne. Yep. If you're here in chapter 20, if this is you, you're in trouble. Yes. Uh, you could be a little in trouble in 2 Corinthians 5 in the sense that uh, you have no crowns to give him, uh, that you, you, you've not—I I could use the word from a limited way, wasted— what God gave you, the gifts, the abundance that you could have had in the Christian life. And because after you received Christ, after you became a child of his, you you didn't do live in the Spirit or walk in him the way you should have, but you're still there. If you're at the Bema seat, you're in. If you're at the great white throne, you're not in. And the key is, by grace we're saved through faith. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Do you, do you think with the Great White Throne. Do you think that there, those believers who came to faith during the tri- uh, during the Millennial Kingdom, would find themselves in this place? Uh, where does that fall in God? That's in the- a ve- I don't. I don't think I've ever been. A- Good question. We might I'm, have to. We might have to across the I, hall from I, we, us. I was going to say Mike Stollard or David Levy. One of those we'll two. Have to ask them. We'll have to ask them because it does mention that you know if your name is not written in the book of life, which is a very Jewish concept as well, Steve. The book of life. Ah, in Rosh Hashanah, we've covered that a long time ago when we. I don't know what a podcast number it was, but Rosh Hashanah, Jewish people believe that there are two books open, uh, the Book of Life and the Book of Judgment. Yeah. And uh, they're based on your mitzvot, the number of good deeds you do. And if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, which, by the way, is a kind of a template for a lot of different religions. Uh, I, I, I think I'm a good person. Well, why do you think you're good? Well, I'm measuring myself against somebody that I can find who isn't as good as me. Uh, That's really what it is. And the concept of Christianity is that, you know what? All of us are on the same plane. No one's good. All of us are unrighteous. The soul that sins dies. We are uh, sinful, all of us. We're born with it. And And we're helpless and hopeless, and we're doomed to be separated from God. Ah, enter the grace of God. If you, as a sinner equal with everybody else who's a sinner. If you say, Lord, I'm a sinner, I'm telling you I agree with you, it's my fault, I am a sinner, but thank you for the gift of eternal life. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. So the people who are at the Bema seat have all said, there's no hope for me. My only hope is Jesus Christ. And then it's what you do or don't do afterwards, but you're still in. It's like, Chris, you have four kids. There's some days you wish you could identify them as somebody else's kids, <laughs> right. but they're your children. That's right. And no matter what they do, they're always your children. The same thing it is with a when you're born again, you're born into the family of God, and He is not going to spit you out. No, and you know, it, in First Corinthians, it also talks about the judgment of the works that we do for for God that they will be burned with fire, and that the ones that withstand the fire, you know, it doesn't matter what they're made of, but if it withstands the fire, then it was something that was valuable to God, and if it didn't, then it wasn't. Again, that concept of judgment, but here we have the final judgment that takes place, and if your name is not written in the book of life, then to the lake of fire is the destination for that, where it seems as though this place is where all things are consumed that are against God. Satan is thrown into the lake of fire. Death is thrown into the lake of fire. Hades was thrown into the lake of fire. Uh, and so it seems as though this is where everything goes, the, 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 the picture of all these 
things that were against God are being burned once and for all in judgment, never to come back again. And, you know, it's it's great that we have an opportunity to talk about these things, and it's great that in the world we live in, uh, the Lord knows these things, but if people are able to hear this, and we're certainly not the only ones, people are able to hear the word, the gospel, like no other time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we you brought up uh, early on in the podcast about uh, church history. We're talking about Tim Harrison, and you said this isn't just history of Billy Graham. Billy Graham went on the radio. Uh, he went to tent meetings in the 50s, and fo- actually the 40s, and was preaching, and he preached to millions of people. But little did he know that today, Chris, you and I, through this podcast, yep. although there's only seven listening, the potential to live, uh, to hear it, anybody with a computer. Imagine and- if our seven listeners each shared the podcast, we'd have 14 listeners. <laughs> <laughs> but it is amazing. And while we have breath, while any of us have breath, we have opportunity to trust in him and to walk with him. And that's why it's. this is, again, one of the reasons that we continue to share the gospel, because the point is we believe that God has provided a way to have a relationship with him through the work of his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross, his shed blood, which provides the forgiveness we need, because the reality is, is we're all guilty, and we are going to stand before a just God. The one thing I always love about the Psalms uh, uh, um, is that when we're when you read the Psalms, it gives the picture, especially David, Steve, when David is is crying out to God, Psalm 51, he admits, even though he had sinned against Uriah and Bathsheba, committed adultery, murdered, all of these things, he should have said, I've sinned against uh these two individuals. I've made wrong with these two people. No, he actually does one opposite. He goes, I've sinned against you, God, and you alone. And is a picture of the fact that I've sinned against you, and because I've sinned against you, I've sinned against these people as well. And he ultimately says, no matter what happens in this scenario, you are the righteous, just judge. How you judge, it's up to you, because no, no matter what, I, I was wrong, you are right. And so one day, we will stand before God, and that's why it is important, because justice is coming. People don't think about—they want justice on earth. They want men, flawed men— to uh, make right ju- judgments, but the reality is, is the the only true judge who can make the ultimate, bring the ultimate justice, is waiting for that moment when justice will come. Justice is all throughout the Book of Revelation. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. And you know, First John talks to believers, and he says, if we confess our sins, he's talking to you and me, Chris. Yeah, he's talking to you and me, and all seven of our listeners here. If we confess, uh. Uh, our sin, he is faithful, faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us mm. from all unrighteousness. That's given to faulty people who've been forgiven in Christ. And he said, you know what? You are dirty. I can clean you up. Confess to me. Come to me. Uh, Jesus said, come to me and I will give you rest. Mm. He does it. He did it back then. And he does it today, and it will always do it. Well, you're on a roll, Sage. Listen, we've got to move on here. So we're going to be wrapping up the book of Revelation in the Finish next two with weeks. chapter 20. We're gonna, I know we're going to get through Revelation at least before episode 100. There so. you go. And remind, <laughs> hey, we want to hear from you if you have any ideas about our 100th podcast. 424-444-1948. Steve, what's going on in the uh, news? Uh, Chris, I sent this to you. Uh, this actually comes from Newsreel. Uh, those who ah. took Equip, those who took Equip, uh, know that we went through the 1967 Israeli War. Mordecai Kadar, Doctor Mordecai Kadar, who is the vice president of Newsreel, and our listeners can get that app. Go to your app store, look for Newsreel, N E W S R A E L, and you could get it. And I was on it, and I it caught my eye immediately. The screenless Israeli. Laptop. <laughs> you are so. I, you want this thing so bad. Uh, this well, it's got everything I like. First of all, it doesn't. The, it's just the keyboard, and you put on these glasses. And uh, in fact, the first line in the article: "I'm working with a laptop that has no screen. No screen, Chris. That's right. You you put on these glasses and you turn on your computer, and there in front of you is not one screen." 
multiple screens. It says a sightful uh, la- uh, a launched space top. La- uh, sorry, sightful a Tel Aviv startup launched space top last month, describing it as a hundred inch laptop that fits in your backpack. It's like going to a movie theater. <laughs> it is. It's surround. You you. So according to what I've read about this, you can. You kind of are moving the screen and you, number one, you not only set your, you know, you, you, you usually set your desktop background. Well, now your whole view is whatever background you want it to be. You want to be in Hawaii while you work? Bada bing, bada boom. You're in Hawaii. Just think about it, Chris. You can have all these different screens almost all around you. Put on some headphones. You got stereo all around you. You got your view all around this. You're immersed it, it's unbelievable. Well, you know, Apple just came out. I don't know what this is going to cost, but did you see that Apple came out with their version of the, the you put on? Oh, like, those things. Yeah. Uh, Oculus? It's like, well, Oculus is the uh, Facebook version, Meta. This is, which is a very affordable one. Um, this, the Apple one, You re- do you know how much the Apple one was? I, I don't even know what it, I never heard of well, it. Well, you put it on these glasses like yeah, this. Yeah, and then what happens? Well, then it's like your computer's in front of you. You can talk to oh, people. I, I haven't seen that. You could put TV on, whatever. Like, I mean, you, it's basically a computer goggles, and you use your fingers to move things around. Ay, ay, ay. So it's $3,500. So I'm like, Who buys I, this? I don't I have no idea. Is I, it for me. Ki- is it games? Is it It work? could be games. It could be work. It looks like you're, it almost, the pictures I saw, it almost looks like it could be the desktop of your computer or your phone. You know, the way you interact with your phone and you kind of do this uh, or whatever. You know, I was when I was in St. Louis visiting my grandkids, my daughter and son-in-law, the, uh, William has an Oculus. Oh, I yeah. rem- Did he, you do uh, it? This was, it? First, yes. Of, oh, I loved it. I But when you watch somebody, it, it's just, it's hilarious. You're watching somebody. He's in the living room going like this. Yeah. Yeah, just reaching out. What is he? It looks crazy. Yeah. But then I put them on and I look crazy. <laughs> well, th- my kids have one as well. And it, there's this place where they talk with their friends. It's their friends. And uh, they, uh, you know, all of this, but they're in like a digital. Can they see each other in this thing? Well, they see the like avatar of them. <laughs> It's not even really them. And I'm like, I can't do this. I, I'm scared. This actually freaks me out. So I, I got out as fast as I possibly can. Amazing. So, well, anyway. this, this, again, this is coming out of Israel. I don't have any idea what it costs. But just think about it. There'll be a day, Chris. I don't know if I'll be here at all, even on this earth. But if the Lord tarries, there'll be a day when people will come into Friends of Israel. Yeah, they put on glasses. And they're all putting on glasses and doing this. That's right. (laughs) Typing and swiping and who knows what. I like it. I like it. Well, uh, Steve got very excited. I'm glad he pushed that. I want to share, though, uh, recently, this just comes out um, June 28th, which is today. Um, But I heard about this last night. Roseanne Barr, the the, the actress and comedian, uh, says, Nobody died in the Holocaust. Six million Jews should die. Um, and she said that during a podcast, uh, and I'll, I'll read this from the Jerusalem Post, comedian Roseanne Barr's statement on a, on a podcast that no Jews died in the Holocaust has created a social media storm during the June 14th episode of the podcast that uh, this past weekend, a podcast hosted by fellow comedian Theo Vaughn, the Jewish bar, delved into the topic of the 2020 election and the concept of, quote, truth in the United States. Nobody wants to hear the real truth, began Barr, before adding that social media guidelines have mandated what truth is or isn't. And so she goes on uh, and and brings up the idea of the Holocaust. Uh, and she said, and don't you dare say anything that that's where you'll be uh, off YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and all the other ones, she continued. There's such a thing as truth and facts, and we have to stick to it. So she's talking about the fact that you know, you say something on YouTube and they'll cut you right off and they'll shut you down. And that's happening. And they won't even know the context by which you, you know, what you're saying. A hundred percent. And this was just happening to the Democratic contender against uh, President Biden, uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., um, who said some uh, things about the COVID and the vaccines and YouTube removed them. And yep. so, again, uh, anyway, she said then apparently to emphasize the point, she added, nobody died in the Holocaust. That's the truth. It should happen. Six million Jews should die right now because they cause all the problems in the world. But it never happened. But it never happened. Mandated. These remarks were both shocking and deeply troubling. I, I don't know what point she was got it, trying to get at, but the 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 podcast host did come to her 
side and say she was trying to make a point and it was taken out of context, maybe having to do with truth. Like, hey, look, I'll say this and it won't even get taken off. I'm, maybe that, I'm, I'm assuming. That's right. That's right. It, it's always good to know the context. And we share these things. That's one of the reasons we link them. So we don't cover the whole. We just read a section. Something catches our eye. We do it in fun. But everything that we say comes from a new source. And we give the you, the listener, an opportunity in the links that we send out for you to access it and come up with your own conclusion. I saw this this morning. Rose, and she's Jewish, Rose, too. Yeah, she's Jewish. What What's behind this? What What is her context? And look, she's made her living as a comedian, which brings on a whole different scenario. Comedians don't like the environment whether you're liberal or not, because comedians, that's what they do. They make fun and say outlandish things so people will laugh, be amused, etc. And now it's becoming very difficult to do. And she found that when she was canceled, if yep. you remember, uh, yep. a while ago. Well, you know, I, I wonder if anybody's ever going to take our words out of context. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they don't have to. We're crazy anyway. That's what I'm scared of. <laughs> That's what I'm scared of. Uh, yeah, All yeah, right, yeah. Well, Steve, we got one more. Aid Mubarak. Muslims around the world. This comes from the uh, from Jerusalem Post as well. Muslims around the world. Mark Aid Al-Adha. Did you ever hear? Adha. Until Adha. this morning, I didn't. I knew. I knew what it meant. Uh, what the specific event is or the truth that they believe in the event, the event that they believe. But I never really heard they had a special day. Tell us what this Eid al-Adha is. Good job. That sounds very good. I I, I butchered it. Uh, Eid al-Adha. What did you say? Adha. Adha is set to begin Wednesday morning with Muslims around the world preparing to mark the Feast of the Sacrifice. The holiday, which lasts up to four days, depending on the country, commemorates... Oh, man, they know how to throw a party, huh? Four days. <laughs> right off the heels of Ramadan, too. <laughs> a whole month. Uh, uh, commemorates Abraham's willingness to sacrifice his son, Ishmael, and the sacrifice of a ram in his place. Oh, uh, wait, where have I heard wait, kind of this before? Wait a minute. What's going on? This is always a very interesting concept to me, that, um, you know, in the Muslim faith... They completely redirect the story of the the story in the in the Torah and the prophets in the writings, and which was way before anything they wrote, way before Islam. Oh, we're six hundred A.D. is when Muhammad, you know, uh, receives the vision, um, and and uh, uh, according to history, um, but really, it's very interesting because it seems as though Muhammad was taking from the Old Testament and taking from the New Testament in order to come to make a. Uh, a faith of his own, but it's what's really fascinating is that the whole story breaks with with the story of um, with the story of Ishmael and Isaac. Uh, that's where they break the story. Uh, you know, the promised son Isaac. Uh, that the the Jews messed that up. They they infiltrated the scriptures. Uh, it was really always intended to be Ishmael. And now Ishmael is the one who's being offered up. And so it's just interesting how all you have to do is twist that one story. There's there's two options, Isaac and Ishmael, and they're able to twist the story and to send the, the, the promise in a different direction, where really we believe Isaac is the promised son. You know, Ishmael uh, was blessed by God before he was sent out, but he was a son of, uh, of uh, Sarah's own making. You know, she wanted the son, and so she was going to make it happen, and she did it through her uh, uh, through her servant, Hagar, the Egyptian. You, you were right about the crossroads. You know, Yogi Berra, that great uh, sage of baseball, said when you get to a fork in the road, and here in, in uh, Genesis, we have the fork on the road. He said, take it. Take it. <laughs> <laughs> and they did. <laughs> well, here we have a fork on the road, and Jews, Jews and Christians— Believe what the text says. They, Which dates back thousands of years. That's what the text says. They went with Isaac. Uh, Islam says, nope, that was wrong in 600 years. So the fork on the road, they said take it. So Christians and Jewish people go with the the version uh, that was original and that, that has been proven through texts, uh, criticism, and all that, where Islam says, nah, it was wrong, and they tell you how to make it right. This would actually be an interesting—I would love to know. I'm asking more of a question. Uh, you know, we know that the Quran was written in 600 or so A.D. I'm interested—you know, we can go back to 
the to the Dead Sea Scrolls that were written 150 BC and see that the storyline 600 years earlier, the storyline follows Isaac and not Ishmael. And it continued. They have enough criticism, textual criticism, to say yeah, this consistent. It's always this way. That's right. And so it would, you know, I don't. Are there texts prior to to 600 AD? I'm asking that question in, in an honest way because you would almost naturally lean toward toward the earlier texts. And say, oh, that look at what the Jewish people were saying, uh, uh, you know, during the time of the Dead Sea Scrolls, even before Jesus, and before that, uh, we have physical evidence of it. And then you have 600 AD, you know, yep. and all of a sudden the story's totally different. But they do celebrate it four days. Yeah, <laughs> man, Jewish people don't celebrate. And it's funny that they call it the the um, what what was it called? Al Adha. Yeah, but oh, the Feast of the Sacrifice. One time I said when Abraham. Uh, sacrificed Isaac and some guy came up to me I've ne- I've corrected myself he said he didn't sacrifice him he bound him it's called the ak- ak- in Hebrew oh the I, akiba, or uh, akita akita uh, the binding yep cuz he didn't sacrifice him he bound him yep. and so it's funny they they call it the sacrifice when it should probably be the feast of the binding so <laughs> <laughs> well the, the the point of the it is the binding that because that's how it turned out but Abraham wasn't going that's Believing true. it was just binding. Oh, no. In his mind, it was over. It was over. It was supposed to be a sacrifice. Yes. All right, Steve. Yiddish word of the day. It's a surprise I, for you. I have no idea what it is. Okay. It is a surprise, and it's in light of your birthday. Oh, with yeah. your Again, with, with the weight. Wait, there wait. you go. Let me get me myself Get here. yourself down with your Torah and your... Woo. Yeah. There we go. Don't bend, Don't break your head. There you go. Uh, the Yiddish word of the day. You ready, Steve? Is hacham. Do you know Chacham? I, I have not heard of Chacham. Chacham is one wise beyond his years. Okay. <laughs> Chacham. You are a Chacham, my uh, friend. Well, let's, let's shake my head to that. <laughs> You're saying no, I think. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. There, there you go. go. That's better. That's better with your bobblehead. Chacham to you. Chacham. Chacham is the Yiddish word of the day. It means wise. It actually comes from the Hebrew word Chokma, which means wisdom. And I might even hear it when you said Rabbi Nacham. Nacham. Yeah, Nachman, actually. Nachman. I think that could maybe that has some wisdom in it too. But hacham for you, my friend. Hacham to you, and off we go. Off we go. Hey, everybody, thanks for being on the Jew and Gentile podcast. Wait, what about Equip? Tell them real quick. Oh boy, we got Equip coming up. We've got uh, Tim uh, Harrison's going to be teaching on early heroes of church history. You can register for that class. That's going to be coming up soon this July, three weeks. By going to foiequip.org. And mug on a mug? mug. Text us. Let us know what we should be doing for our 100th episode. Let us know if you want a mug. You can text us at 424-444-1948. Hey, thank you so much for being with us another week. Hey, happy birthday, Steve. Hey, thanks a lot, Chris. Have a good one.